you in this room and those of you joining us online, we're so glad that you're here today to celebrate Christmas together. I want to tell you this Christmas about a man in history whose name was William Carey, who's actually known as the father of modern missions, and he went to India in 1798, and uh, he began his work there uh, doing something that no one had done at that time before. He went and he was building cultural connections with people. He was translating the scriptures uh, into Sanskrit. So he had to learn indigenous languages and then translate the Bible into different languages. And when he was leaving for this work, William Carey was trying to explain to his father why he was going to do this. And his father absolutely did not get it. He did not understand at all what he was doing. And, you know, William Carey, he couldn't tell his dad, well, I'm going to help people who are sick because he wasn't a doctor. And he couldn't tell his father, well, I'm going to help with the political situation to strengthen the, the you know, government there because he didn't have any experience in civil affairs. And so what he, William Carey told his father was a very ordinary thing, which was rooted in his own personal ordinariness. And this is what he said to his father. He said, I can plod. Funny word, right? I can plod. And plod he did, like one foot in front of the other, one word at a time, page by page, sentence by sentence. And at the end of his life, the Bible had been produced in whole or in part in 44 different languages. He could plod. And for some reason, this Christmas, I kind of just want to give a little praise for plodding. Because for many of you, that is exactly what you are doing right now. You are plodding along. And hardly anybody would list this quality on their resume, right? You don't write down, I can plod. You don't say to a boss in, a, in an interview, like, well, I don't have a whole lot of skills, but I sure am good at plodding. But the truth is, any fair reading of history, any fair reading of scripture is going to show that the greatest people were plodders. Like Nelson Mandela, 27 years in prison. Dorothy Day, soup bowl by soup bowl, feeding people every day. Moses, on a decade-long march. David, fleeing from his enemies, hiding in caves. Jesus, going town to town, village to village. Mary Magdalene, suffering great trauma. The Apostle Paul making long, looping journeys, all sorts of jealousies and criticisms, often from the very people who were to be brothers and sisters in faith. It's the plotters who really make history, make things happen. They're the ones who have faced trials of many kinds, and they've learned to persevere. They've learned to not give up. And at Christmas, we're celebrating the mystery 
of the incarnation, that the divine God of the universe came in human flesh to plod alongside us. His birth, which is one of the best stories ever told, and at this time of year especially, we all love a good story. And when you think about a good story, there are kind of three elements to it, right? You, you first of all have some sort of trouble. Something happens where things are not the way it's supposed to be in every good story. And then, you know, there's some sort of struggle in the middle where the protagonist is trying to overcome the difficulty, and usually there's some antagonistic forces working to thwart that. And then there's some kind of a conclusion, like either peace and resolution comes or it doesn't. But every good story kind of has these things. And I don't think I'm going to be like giving, needing to give any sort of spoiler alert right now. But just think about the elements of some of our favorite stories this time of year. When the Grinch stole Christmas, he gave it back. In the Christmas story, wealthy, he gets his Red Rider BB gun at the end. In the Christmas Carol, you've got that old curmudgeonly Ebenezer Scrooge who by the end embraces generosity. In Home Alone, you have Kevin who, you know, eventually his family makes it back for Christmas. And we cherish these stories. At this time of year, we love to rehearse these stories and, and re-watch these stories because somehow they, they reflect to us the light and the hope that we long for at this time of year. And the big story that followers of God in the way of Jesus place themselves in, the big story of God has these elements. The big story of God says, you know, in the beginning, in the beginning of the universe, God said, let there be light. But then, when sin entered the world, lights went out. And God made a way through Jesus for people to know the light of the world and to have peace with God. And not just that, but not just for themselves, but to be able to wage peace in the world with God, to become peacemakers in the world. When the lights go out, when sin and shame take over our lives, we, we can't see. We can't see ourselves. We, we certainly can't see each other. We can't see God. And everyone is grasping in the dark at different points because of the fall. We're grasping for belonging. We're grasping for security. We're, we're grasping for some sense of significance, power, peace. And very often we're looking to find like little bits of light in the dark. Sometimes we're looking at things like, you know, career or money or prestige or sometimes other people. Like, will this person, if I attach myself to this person, will they, you know, help shed a little light in my darkness? I read about a little boy um, at a Christmas pageant in his preschool. His mom was very afraid he was going to forget the lines. And so she sat in the very front row, like, ready to cue him. And sure enough, like, it gets to his point, and he goes blank. 
he can't remember his line. And so his mom is like mouthing the words to him to remind him that he's Clint. He's not getting it. It is not happening. And um, so then she just kind of leans forward and whispers the cue to him. And then he stands beaming with pride and is like, my mother is the light of the world. (laughs) Which is what we do, right? Like maybe that person will be the light in my darkness. Maybe that promotion will be the light in my darkness. Maybe that next acquisition or career or degree or thing will be the light in my darkness. But the reality is, the one who lights the way is God and God alone. And apart from Christ, the light of life, we do stumble. We stumble about in the darkness in our lives. But the good news of Christmas is that Christ stepped into our darkness and turned on the light. Scripture tells us that Christ is the light of our lives. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It was that first Christmas, 2,000 plus years ago, that everything changed when Jesus was born, the light came. God, who was high and lifted up, became lowly, came to a manger. It's like the independent God became a dependent baby. The Holy One became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? So that we could know peace with God. And as you know, like the story progresses, Jesus is born, but then the struggle begins. The plot thickens, if you will. The light of the world faces the resistance of the darkness. He's tempted in every way. He dies a horrible death. And his light appeared at that moment to be snuffed out completely. But then on the third day, God defeats both death and darkness by the resurrection. And the light is on forever. So Jesus came to bring light to all people, to all people. And at Christmas, God gave us the gift of light. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so we will light our candles in just a little bit. And we light our candles kind of for three reasons. One, first of all, we light our candles from the Christ candle, remembering that Jesus shone his light into the darkness of this world when he was born. And then we also light our candles because we realize that we can receive him and that in so doing, we have peace with God. But then thirdly, it's not just peace with God for our own sake only, but also that we might be have a purpose of being a light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And so we light our candles together for those reasons. And, you know, I, I just wonder sometimes on Christmas Eve, like I wonder if anyone in this room or joining us online would say of yourself like, yeah, I, I remember a time maybe as a kid, maybe sometime in my youth 
when the light of God was real to me. But then, you know, life and a whole lot of disappointments happened. And I would venture to guess, like, if, if that is you, like, yeah, I used to. I used to believe that story. I used to follow that voice of love. Yeah, I, I have that memory, but, yeah, not anymore. Not so much anymore. I would venture to guess that if, if I heard, if we heard, if others heard the reason why, I'd probably be like, yeah, I wouldn't either. You know, the disappointment and the hypocrisy of Christians or of the church. But I wonder if you might also still say that there's a little flicker, a little flicker that is the love of God in you. And if you might be open this Christmas to just surrendering a little bit of yourself, giving God another try. A lot of times people come to worship on Christmas only time of the year. And I just wonder if all of us, wherever we are, might make a little room in our hearts as we light candles together. And maybe for some of you it would be to, kind of like the, the song says, you know, fall on your knees, right? Fall on your knees simply saying like, Lord, I need you. Jesus, I receive you. I want to follow you. I want you, God, to be my light and my strength. You know the guy I was talking about, William Carey, at the beginning? Uh, things were not always rosy and bright for him. There was actually a very dark day in his life where a fire came into his shop, and it burned, completely destroyed, 17 years of work. Now, this is like in 1812, so all this is painful. No backup copies, nothing online, right? I mean, 17 years, completely destroyed. The entire dictionaries, the grammars, the 10 different translations of the Bible. And in the midst of that deep despair, I mean, just talk about being dipped in discouragement. Talk about being heartbroken. Talk about, like, having a really good reason to quit. Do you know what he did? He remembered the words he had spoken to his father. And he, along with his team, decided we will retrace our steps and we will rewrite every page that was lost. And that's exactly what they did. One step at a time, one word at a time, one sentence at a time, they recreated everything that had been lost in that fire. I can plot you know, I think the secret to plotting or persevering is that you realize that because of Christmas, because of the incarnation, you have God with you. That whatever you face, you don't face it alone. That you hold the hand of the one whose love for you knows no limit, that no matter what you face, Christ himself being human knows the experience of being human and is with you in it, whatever you may face. And that he desires to be a light to your feet and a lamp to your path. At Christmas, the incarnation, we remember that we can take one step 
after another. We can do the next right thing because we don't do it alone. We have a moment that we can enjoy. Lord, we thank you that you came, that you left the glories of heaven, that you came and that you know what it's like to be human. Thank you, God, that there is nothing that we face that we face alone, and there is nothing that we face that you don't understand. God, I pray that you might give courage and hope and perseverance to the plodding ones tonight and today. I pray that you might wrap us up in your power and in your presence so that we might all together do the next right thing you ask. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.